Hey y'all, it's Ethan here with Amateur Draft Podcast with my lovely co-host, also Ethan. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about some quarterbacks today. Oh, heck yeah. I've been I've been really ready for this for, honestly, days. Um, been wanting to record, but I figure it's probably not the best idea that I do that myself. Um, so, we've got a nice a nice list of quarterbacks here. I've kind of got an extra little segment I added um, after, after earlier today. I did some more looking around. Um, it'll be exciting. It'll be a lot of fun, and we'll get we'll hop into it here in a second. So, what do you what do you think about the show today? I think it should be a lot of fun going through the list. I mean, there's definitely some surprises. I'm not going to say who the surprises are because that ruins the list. But there's some people that you in spots that you might not put them. So it'll be interesting to uh, see what you all think about it compared to our list. Yeah, for sure. So um, we're going to start. We're going ten to one here because that's it's much more interesting to listen to. Yeah, you got to have a little bit of suspense for it. Yeah, nobody wants to hear about the number 10 quarterback after we've gotten through our top three. So, um, to start with number 10, um, it's a close number 10, but we got Jamie Newman. Um, I watched four games of him. He got a 67.3 grade, which is a late third-day pick. Um, what I found from him, he's got a great great jump ball, throws a touch incredibly well. Um, arm strength, once again, he's a talented dude, uh, high mobility. He looks like Cam Newton. I mean, he really does. He's really smart about using his weapons. He has a great receiver in uh, Sage Surratt, and he throws some beautiful jump balls to him, and that was probably his biggest strength on film. Yeah, he and he's a very much pro-style passer. Um, he recognizes matchups very well pre-snap and then executes the throw. The only problem is that once the play breaks down or pressure comes in, he starts to really fall off. And this is where I put... Um, he's entirely oblivious to pressure. I don't think he realizes that he's not playing 7-on-7. Seven seven. Well, no, he'll be there and taking his time, looking at his matchups, and then he'll just get destroyed. He won't realize the guy's coming at all, which is really hard to watch. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and then the, the final thing I put, he has inconsistent accuracy. Not necessarily that it's bad, but it's a combination of subpar ball placement and just generally inconsistent accuracy. Well, and that comes from when uh, his footwork is a little lazy in the short game because he trusts his arm a little too much. When he's throwing deep, his footwork is really, really good, and so his passes are really accurate. But in the short game, he kind of loosens up on his footwork, and you can really tell. Yeah, I mean, there's accuracy. Yeah, there's no doubt he has a top five deep ball in this class. It's just about everything else, and then between the ears is where, and you'll kind of see this as we go through the list. You know, anybody can find an NFL talent arm, but it's you know the work between the ears is where is where you find the guys that really differentiate themselves. Well, and he's been in the program a long time, so you expect a little bit more between the years at this point after how long he's been in their program. Yeah, I believe he's 24, 23. He's going to be going into his redshirt senior uh, season, and that's the biggest issue that I have with him is there's not as much time for him to develop. He's kind of set in his ways at this point compared to a lot of other younger quarterbacks, and that's where I'll give other younger quarterbacks more of a benefit of the doubt. Um, so you had a comp for him that I actually really liked. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an obscure comp that y'all may not remember, but it was E.J. Manuel, who the bu- the Buffalo Bills drafted seven years ago now. But he was a really athletic player, threw a really good deep ball, but wasn't great uh, mentally, and he struggled in the short passing game. And just to f- have feel for the game, it never really slowed down for him, and that's kind of what I see in Jamie Newman. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's, that's the number 10 quarterback here. Uh, just to... Just to kind of clarify who we don't have on the list, um, K.J. Costello didn't make it, and Kyle Trask is another guy that I watched and didn't make it. And uh, the third and final guy that didn't make it was Spencer Sanders from uh, Oklahoma State. Now, I this is a guy that I failed to watch. Um, what did you have? To, what did you see from him? 
he was very similar to our, our number nine player in Derek King. Uh, he's very athletic. He takes advantage of his athleticism. There's tape of him hurdling a linebacker who's fully standing up and is a six foot one dude. I looked him up. So he's very athletic, has a great vertical, throws a great deep ball, but he really can't throw a spiral in the short game. It's really strange. He throws a spiral deep, but then loses it throwing it short. Never seen it before. And uh, that was a major problem for him this last year. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you don't spiral the ball well, just it's not going to be nearly as catchable. I think that's one thing that's really underrated about guys like, for example, Jared Goff, um, where you don't see receivers dropping uh, Jared Goff's ball. It's not just because he doesn't necessarily have the strongest arm, um, but it's it's it spirals very well. Um, it's a lot easier to track deep down the field. No, it's a term you may hear us use, just spinning the ball. Can totally. they spin the ball? Absolutely. That's a huge part of arm talent that I think people forget. No, it's really a skill, and the guys that have it, it makes a huge difference. They have a lot less drop passes. So um, moving on to number nine, um, since we just spent five minutes on the first quarterback, uh, we got Derek King. I, I only watched two games of him. Not going to lie, it was hard. Um, he received the same grade as Jamie Newman. He's a totally different quarterback. Um, and this is where I put him at nine versus ten. His youth is going to be a huge part of it. Incredibly athletic. Um, he's got plus arm strength. It's not a, it's not an elite arm, but it's good arm strength. Um, you know, as far as talent is concerned, this kid is incredibly good. Um, played for Houston. He transferred to Miami. He should be putting up some fairly good numbers at Miami because uh, they really have not had a great program lately, but I really expect the talent increase to make a lot of a difference. Well, watching the Houston tape was just brutal. He had so many drop passes that actually really killed his completion percentage. And that's where stats can lie because he actually threw some pretty good short balls, but he had so many drops, and that should be different at Miami. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of stats lying, too, um, Jamie Newman, as great of a season as he had, he led the ACC in passing yards last year um, over a guy like Trevor Lawrence, where you'll see he's my number 10 for good reason. Um, you know, you've got a connection with one receiver that works. Um, that, that's all it took to lead the league in passing or to lead the conference in passing yards. You know, it people will look at the stats and say that, you know, he's he's a top quarterback. I've seen some late round fir- like some late first round buzz for him, and I just don't see it because if you really look at what, if you really look at the intangibles in a lot of these guys, you know, the mental side of things, that's really an issue. The biggest thing that I have a hard time with King is even though he's very talented, he doesn't project as a good, just a football player. There's some guys where you watch, you go, man, they're just a really solid football player um you know and you just don't see it with Derek King like he just doesn't feel he doesn't feel pressure he doesn't feel the speed of other players um one thing that really struck me was uh, he's playing it was the Oklahoma game and he's rolling out to his right and he's running away from uh what's the name of that uh, linebacker from Oklahoma um Chargers linebacker, yep. um, Kenneth, Kenneth Murray. Murray. Yep, Kenneth Murray. He's running away from him. And now, given Kenneth Murray runs on the four fives, oh, very yeah. very Crazy fast, athlete. athletic linebacker. But it's just one of those things. He takes the sack without trying to throw the ball away, without trying to push it downfield, and he just takes it. And it's it's one of those things where you go, man, if you get into the NFL and you try to out athlete everyone, it's just kind of a microcosm of what's going to happen once he gets to the league. No, just, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have tried to do that. It's your Johnny Manziel's of the world that they just thought they were more athletic than everyone else. And in college, you may be, but you get into the pros, and then that's a harsh wake-up call mm-hmm. because NFL athletes are legit. 
No, for sure. Yeah, and I think it was great to see that, uh, to see him going up against a team like Oklahoma, and specifically Kenneth Murray, because that's a great example of how an incredibly athletic player in college, how they look on the NFL stage before the NFL. So the final two things that I put here for Derek King, pocket presence, he really does not feel pressure well. He tries to use his mobility without really moving in the pocket and feeling pressure. And then his accuracy, especially throwing down the field 20-plus yards. I mean, you can attest to this. I mean, it's just non-existent. And, it, you know, on the pocket presence point, it's really hard to have pocket presence when you don't do the basic pocket footwork. Like, Absolutely. you can't feel the pocket if you don't know the footwork to maneuver in the pocket. And he really lacked consistent footwork. He just uh, tried to bail out with his athleticism and was constantly trying to escape the pocket before he needed to. Yeah, he looked very uncomfortable, like he, he didn't fit there. Uh, and, I mean, you see this with some, you see this definitely with some passers. I think the, the before we move on from him, uh, first of all, my comp for him is Trace McSorley. If you remember him, he's the Penn State quarterback last year that, or that was drafted last year. Um, very athletic, but just was not a refined passer. No, and I'm excited to watch Derek King this year because I do think he has potential to grow because he has an insane arm and is very athletic, and I'm really hoping that with some better coaching we can see um, some more consistency with some of the basics, and that will help that be amplified. Well, yeah, for sure. And then I think one other thing that's important to bring up is since Lamar Jackson has made that step up in the NFL, you're going to see every um, running quarterback. I say specifically running quarterback, not mobile quarterback. Every running quarterback is going to be compared to Lamar Jackson. Well, I mean, that's just a basic comp. And, you know, Derek King is a great athlete, but there are very few athletes like Lamar Jackson who can also throw as well as he can. Yeah, Lamar Jackson has the athleticism of an NFL wide receiver, like a, a first-round NFL wide receiver. And I think that's something people overlook when they compare him to a guy like Jalen Hurts, who is a fantastic athlete. But not a first-round wide receiver-level athlete. Oh, absolutely not. Um, so that took a while. But moving on to Tanner Morgan, um, I watched three games of him, um, 77.4 grades. That's going to be coming in in the high day three, you know, like the early day three, late day two. Um, and what I saw from him, he's a true pocket passer. Um, great accuracy and touch. Um, I can't spell. That says processor right there oh, yeah. with an N at the end. That's great. Uh, so, great processor to me. I, I really liked how he was able to read coverages. Um, you know, my comp for him was Drew Brees because you did see him use his athleticism as that last resort. You know, and I think it's important to point out that we're up to our number eight quarterback, and there is a tier difference here for us. The bottom two guys are guys that we don't see as being likely starters in the NFL. Now, this next tier is guys that we think could be solid backups and start a couple games if they need to. Yeah, I think what you're looking at is, at best, the Teddy Bridgewaters. Who's not a bad quarterback, but he's definitely not an elite quarterback. No. Now, there's there's upside to every single player that enters the draft. They're there for a reason. I just think it's important to distinguish, and I'm glad you brought this up, that there is that tier difference. That's a full day grade difference. Yeah. So now for the negatives for, for Morgan. And you really saw this heavily because you watched his Auburn game with me. That was the first game I watched, and uh, I was largely unimpressed. He seemed unaware of the pocket collapsing around him. He uh, failed to take advantage of when his receivers won, and he really just looked really nervous. And that concerns me that he's not going to be able to deal with high-pressure games. Yeah, for sure. And the biggest thing that I look for when I see a quarterback, I think mentally, 
is does the game look too fast? Does he look panicky? Um, you'll see great quarterbacks in college where the game looks too fast for him. Tua Tagovailoa. Yes. Was he was a guy where when you watch his game, LSU is a perfect game. I know you watched that multiple times. Yes, multiple times. I think I watched that game three times, and you know, Tua is one of those guys that he is relaxed in the pocket. He is relaxed in the pocket all the time. He knows that he has Nick Saban on the sideline and that he has some great receivers around him. But despite playing against the LSU defense, which, you know, most of them are probably going to make the NFL, let's be honest. Absolutely. So. A lot of them already have. Now, I and, and the point with uh, Tua was there were games where Tua started to panic. You oh, could yeah. see it visibly by the way, specifically the way he moved. Um, he, he really – things just started to look fast. He would – pass up an open read early. Um, that's where I kind of had some reservations. I think with Tanner Morgan in that Auburn game, it really showed up. Now, to be fair, he's playing for Minnesota. Very yep. good college program last year, but there were no Auburn. Auburn's entire secondary is in the NFL now. Um, but it just it looked panicky. He was leaving the pocket early. He got, he got spooked a lot. Well, and his interior line was also very much struggling to contain Derek Brown and Nick Coe. They were just bull rushing straight through the pocket, and right. Tanner Morgan just didn't move. That was concerning because it started happening in the first quarter, and in the fourth quarter you saw him getting sacked the same way. Absolutely. Now, you saw him get more comfortable towards the end of the game, but and it's one of those where despite the fact that he made the throws and he did these things, that's an example of him you know, going to – that's the example of him going to a team where they might not have the best offensive line. You know, and you have to prepare, you have to see how a guy reacts to pressure because when you enter the NFL, those athletes are so good that you're going to get pressure every play. So uh, the final thing I put in there, actually, very similarly to that, is pocket presence. Um, I don't feel like he handled pressure as well as you'd like to see um, for a guy who a lot of people are considering a little bit more NFL ready, especially for a pocket passer um, rather than more mobile guy. And it'll be fun to watch all these guys this year to see if they improve on some of these uh, concerns that we have about them. And Tanner Morgan would be a fun guy to get to see get drafted somewhere like Minnesota and get to sit under Kirk Cousins and then maybe be ready in a couple years. Well, absolutely. And that, I think that's where um, Tanner Morgan might actually have um, a bit more of an advantage than some of these guys that are coming higher up the list because they're more likely to go to a team that's a little bit more prepared, a little bit more ready. Oftentimes people hear uh, – people say they want someone to be drafted in the late rounds, they think it's because they're not a good player. But really, being drafted in the late rounds could be an advantage to players because they go to situations that can help them more. If you're a uh, top-five guy, well, those teams are probably drafting in the top five for a reason because they probably don't have a great offensive line and their receivers probably aren't the best. And this is a guy that I've heard. I've actually heard some some buzz about him being that fourth quarterback here um, by some people. Um, specifically by the guys at the Draft Network. And this guy's Brock Purdy. I watched three games of him. He earned a 79.9, so basically a second-round grade. Um, the big things that stood out to me specifically were, and just kind of encapsulate all of it, was his feel. Um, pocket awareness and instincts for me were possibly the best in the class. Well, he's really the total opposite of the guy we talked about last in the way he feels the game. Absolutely. He is yeah. completely calm, not overcome by high-pressure situations, and really feels the pocket around him very well. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he was one of the guys that has zero problem feeling pressure rather than seeing it um, and, and stepping up in the pocket. 
knowing when is a good idea to escape, when not to, because he's not an incredible athlete. He's good enough. He's a college-level athlete. Um, you know, and then now you get to where he has a hard time because he might escape that pressure and make the wrong read. No, he's one of those guys that he might trust his receivers just a little bit too much. And I actually Absolutely. think it's a good time to bring up his comp. His comparison is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> is one of my favorite players to watch. He has a great feel for the game, and he's super exciting. But every once in a while, he does something that leaves you just scratching your head a little bit. Absolutely. And my, my biggest negative for Purdy was actually consistency. It's almost kind of a Trubisky thing where, you know, you see he, he just needs to turn his he needs to turn his brain off sometimes because he'll overthink things, you know. And as much feel as he has, he needs to rely on that feel more um, because – he has the tools. Like, I, I remember I watched one of his first games um, on TV as a true freshman um, playing against Texas Tech, and he tore the team up. And then I went and watched him last year play Texas Tech as well. I'm a Tech fan. Uh, live. And he was great in both games. It's just that you've got to see a progression. And this is where what he shows is a lack of proper coaching at a position coach level. Because, for example, a lot of his inaccuracy, I found, deep down the field, was that he was running out of arm strength. Um, he wasn't turning his hips enough, and so he was relying on his arm for his power and his touch. And I listened to a, a Tom Brady interview the other day, and he was talking about how to throw a deep ball. And he said a common misconception is that people think they're throwing it only with their arms. He's really throwing the ball mostly with his thighs and his hip turn. Absolutely. And that's something I think Brock Purdy's yet to realize, but when he does finally figure that out, he is going to be a scary quarterback to play against. Oh, for sure. And it's also a matter of can he get out of his own head, which a lot of quarterbacks can't do. No, that's a real struggle for a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah. Now, I still think that's easier to overcome, for example, than dealing with pressure because as long as you can handle pressure, everything's a lot slower. Like you're not having to deal with with an extra layer. So now to move on to another guy, and this is a guy I know you love. No, this might be my favorite guy on the list. I mean, I know he's only number six on our list, but he might have been my favorite to watch out of anybody, and that's Shane Bouchelle out of SMU. Yeah, I watched – okay, so just to give my, my kind of little rundown of him here, um, I watched four games of him. Um, he got an 80.9 grade, so just barely over Brock Purdy, basically the same. Um, biggest things that stood out to me. He's a pure pocket passer. As mobile as he is, and he shows that mobility, he's not going to be mobile in the NFL. Um, he's got accuracy, pocket awareness, arm strength. He throws well off platform even, if you're talking about bootlegs, where he doesn't want to stop. No, he's an excellent play-action quarterback, and he showed that in all those games. Absolutely. This is one of those things, if he if he had gone to a Power 5 school after he transferred from Texas, because, as some of you might know, he lost the quarterback battle at Texas to a guy that's actually next on our list, Sam Ellinger, and he transferred to SMU, where he he was the best player on the field besides his receivers, interestingly enough, almost every game. Yeah, he really had the advantage of playing with some great receivers at SMU, such as James Prochet, who was a really underrated receiver in this last draft class. I cannot remember the name of the other guy. Number 11, I will be scouting this year because he might be as good as Prochet, possibly better. No, he was like this college version of OBJ. He was making some catches that I'm not sure how he caught them at all. Yeah, it's a wild world where SMU has one of the better receiving cores in 
in the country. It's a scary receiving core that and Bouchelle took advantage of. It. He was a really, really smart quarterback, took advantage of his matchups all the time, and he really had some consistent footwork, which is why he was such an accurate quarterback, that his footwork was on point yeah, all his the ref- time. His refinement was was absolutely incredible. And the two things that I had specifically for negatives, if you want the full breakdowns, by the way, go I look at my Instagram. It's going to be at Amateur Draft Scout. Uh, that's where I have the more complete write-ups. Um, this is more of kind of flying through. Oh, I say flying through. We're 20 minutes in. But uh, I've got slow, uh, slow release for him. The underneath game, you really want to have that quick, compact release, like you're seeing a lot of these quarterbacks have, where you can get the ball out a lot, a lot more quickly, and that's going to help with smaller windows. But, and then the second one is going to be mobility. He's more of a, he is mobile at the college level, but you're not going to see that coming into the pro level like you might see with some of these other guys in our top five. No, the only reason he's mobile at the college level is just because he's smarter than everyone else on the field. But that's not going to be the case when he plays someone like Minnesota in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I put a comp here of Kirk Cousins, and I really think that's a very legitimate path for him. I think he could be a mid to, I think he'd be a mid to high level starter. You know, people hear a Kirk Cousins comp and they go, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins is a really solid NFL quarterback, and I think that's what Bouchelle is going to be. He's not going to necessarily be your most exciting quarterback, but he's going to win you some games. He's not going to lose you a lot of games. And the reason that he's only at six for us is because he doesn't show the upside of some of these guys. And it's there's a little bit less flash, but I feel a lot better about him. If I had to take a bet on any of these guys working out, he'd probably be higher than some of these guys that have a bit more potential. Oh, he'd probably be my top three on guys. If I have to think a guy who's going to be able to start day one and be okay, Shane Bouchelle is my guy. Absolutely. So, uh, number five, as I already mentioned, Sam Ellinger. Uh, he's, I watched four games of him. He got an 86, which is going to be, you know, you're getting into that top 50. Um, you know, he, the biggest thing that stands out, and I mean jumps out, are going to be, I put it down three different places, confidence, character, and swagger. And that's he's got that in spades. He, he really does. He is conf- He is so confident that it's scary sometimes. You're like, okay, dude, calm down a little bit. But he know he just believes he can beat everyone without a problem. It's a and it's not a it's not even um, a cockiness or a you know a bad a bad type of thing. He really just has that confidence, almost a Baker Mayfield type thing. They're really similar players, honestly. Yeah. Um, so he's got playmaking mobility tons of toughness he has absolutely zero problem making a linebacker go backwards no and he'll do it which is something i would like to see him avoid doing a little more in the nfl because that might lead to some injuries at a higher level but he will try to truck a linebacker and in college he gets away with it quite a bit especially in the big 12 because those linebackers aren't necessarily the same level as you're seeing you know some of these other guys going up against so he You've got inconsistent accuracy, which you can kind of get away with. The The place that really brings him down, and I say down to number five, I think his other things might compensate for this, and there's kind of been a path that's been shown to work, um, is his arm strength. He really struggles on some deep passes because he doesn't have the zip to get there. You watch him throw a corner, and yeah. it's late, and it's you're, it's not a good-looking ball. You're, you're really struggling to throw that opposite hash 20-yard out which is a difficult throw, but it's an NFL throw. Um, my comp for him is actually Gardner Minshew. Uh, Gardner Minshew, about the same size, got that same swagger to him and, and you know, leadership. 
toughness, mobility, and you see Gardner Minshew just turning nothing into something. Well, when he's great in the short game and is an efficient kind of guy who can move the ball down yeah. the field, which is what Ellinger does to Texas. I think Ellinger's, and I think Ellinger has the intangibles to where I feel more confident that he be, can become Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is a top twenty quarterback, not much better. No, he's about what he is. Uh, he's he's just about there, and I think that's what Ellinger can be. I just don't know about him. I don't think that he has the same ceiling as Bouchel because of his arm, um, where things have to go right. Things really have to go right for Ellinger. He has to be with the right coaching staff that understands that he's not going to be throwing Aaron Rodgers Hail Marys. Yep, your deep shots really do need to be off play action. It's kind of a Teddy Bridgewater type arm. It really is. It's a really good comp for what his arm is. So, moving down the list, we've got, so this is going to be another teardrop. Um, we went from, we're, we're going from middle of the second round to my number four quarterback here, which which is going to get me some flack, but I, I really, I've watched him a lot, and this is what I came up with. Um, I've never wanted to like a quarterback more than this, I promise. Uh, this is Trevor Lawrence at four, and I promise I'm okay. Um, he got a 94.5 grade, which is going to be a top 15, top 10 grade for me. Um, biggest thing. Tools, tools, tools. He has all the tools to be a Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers level. I think one of my first comps for him was Aaron Rodgers. Now, that was the original comp for him, and he's an insane athlete. He has a crazy strong arm, and every once in a while, he makes a decision that's so smart, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. perfect. But the, his, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a second. We'll, I'll, we'll, I'm yeah. going to hold up we'll, on the cons we'll, there. Hold but. on that for, for just a minute. Um, so... Uh, biggest thing, first thing I actually put down, and I was trying to figure out, like, how to describe his mobility. He runs like Eric Dickerson, because he's so tall, and he strides so long. If you look at that run against Ohio State this last year in the playoffs, I, I swear that it looks exactly like Eric Dickerson, just in that he takes, like, three strides, and he's there. Um, he's got an absolute cannon of an arm, um, and then obviously the production and the pedigree, uh, kind of Clemson, just cannot be understated. Well, I mean, how long did he go until he lost a game? It took him until the last game of the year this year. Yeah, that's almost two full seasons without losing. So, if anything else, you can say the guy wins. Yeah, the guy hasn't. I don't think the guy's lost since high school. No, it's and, insane. And since early on in his high school career. Just, I mean, you want pedigree, the, there he is. You know, he's a he's a winner. And I don't like to use the term, he's a winner, but that's exactly what he is. Now, here's where we get to the negatives. And keep in mind, these aren't as much negatives as much as I just need to see it. I've got one true negative and one thing where I just I need to see more to put him where these guys that have proven it are. L let me kind of pose you, a, pose you a situation here. He goes first overall in this draft, which is very likely. Very likely. Probably yeah. what's going to happen. The Jags are who everybody's putting at number one, right? Yep. It's not them talking about Carolina or something like that. If a team is at first overall and picking Trevor Lawrence, they've earned that. Yeah, they likely have some major issues, and both of those teams have lackluster offensive lines. Absolutely, and that brings me exactly where I was going. His ability to sense pressure in this list might be second worst. At, I mean, honestly, besides, it, it might, no, I'll put him over Derek King, but his ability to sense pressure really is profoundly concerning. It's very concerning. He got bailed out by some great blocking from his offensive line. 
a lot. Unreal blocking. And then when you do see him play some teams that were that were better, you know, you see, like, for example, the Ohio State game that I was just mentioning uh, a little while ago. a lot of sacks. He took, he took shots that he didn't see until it was too late. And, and no, if I'll you get, get to a little bit more of an analysis of that later. Um, but, okay, so I'm going to keep going. He reads the middle pretty poorly. This is the thing. He reads defenders and not space. Now, reading space is something that you don't see all that often. It's really something you see out of top-notch quarterbacks, which if you're going to be drafted in the top ten, you need to be one of those guys. Absolutely. And that's where I don't, you know, obviously we could get around to this at some other point, but um, going over, uh, what was his name from Oregon? Justin Herbert. I, I don't like that in the top ten. I don't think he was worth that. That's also how I evaluate quarterbacks. Uh, but he he was kind of dude. I don't know if he read anything personally. I, I think he just threw it. But Joe Burrow reads space. When when you look at how he throws, he throws to a hole in the zones, or he throws to you know a, an empty space and has his receivers run to it. That's something that Trevor Lawrence doesn't do. Going back to the Ohio State game, throws a ball almost directly at a linebacker because the receiver beat his guy on a slant. But he didn't read the fact that there was a Tampa 2 zone sitting right where that slam was going. Yeah, it was the hook zone in Tampa, and it was just it was nerve-wracking to me because I look at that and I go, between the lack of ability to sense pressure pre-post-snap and that, I worry about his feel. I worry he'll go into the league with bad pass protection coming out of Clemson where you've got these six foot four jump ball wide receivers everywhere. You're winning across the board, you know, and he almost just can't handle especially first year I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great rookie quarterback no I think he's really going to struggle as a rookie especially if he's on one of those bad teams I think he may have some injury problems taking hits like he did in that Ohio State game yeah especially a taller dude like that it's just kind of asking for it um not necessarily as big as he is tall you know and I really don't want to see him have a Tony Romo kind of injury plagued career but if he doesn't learn to sense some pressure that's what he's gonna that's what he's in for it's gonna be open shots all day especially I mean, if you're talking about the Jags, you got Jawan Taylor, uh, the second-year player out of Florida, it will be, or third year, I guess, by them. Um, he's still learning, and as good as he might be, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough if he does, assuming he does go there. And the final two things that I have for here: the Clemson offense coddled him at an extensive level. It's not a doubt; like that's a a good thing for Dabo Sweeney because he did not expose Trevor Lawrence to more difficult throws. But it also means that Trevor Lawrence didn't have to make a lot of NFL throws. No, I mean, Dabo Sweeney's truly a great coach, and he understands the strength of his players, and he plays into those strengths very well. Absolutely. I mean, the only times he was really making throws down the field were off of play action. There were not conventional five-step drops, three-step drops, those kinds of things where you're sitting back and you're reading a, a pro style, or I say pro style as if, you know, it's not even a spread or an air raid scheme. It's like, you know... It's more of a pistol scheme, or it's screens. Um, and then the final thing that's pretty obvious, he took a step down in, in 2019, 2019-2020. Uh, it was just, I mean, you go watch, I believe it was his first, I can't remember who he played week one. He threw, I think, two or three interceptions. It was just ugly. Um, it, it kind of shows some complacency, I believe. Uh, it's kind of rough. You so know, it really seemed like he heard all the Andrew Luck comparisons and, and let it go to his head a little bit and really took a step down how he played from season to season. Absolutely, yeah. So now going to our number three guy. This is a guy that if you have followed me on Instagram, 
I don't know him personally. I I have no family connection to Texas A&M, I promise. Kellen Mond. When I first started watching this guy, I did not expect good things. What I found were great things. Um, I watched four games of him. Um, got a 95.1. Uh, keep in mind, those were four pretty intense games. Um, played Clemson twice, for example. I watched his his sophomore tape versus Clemson and then his junior tape versus Clemson. And it just got better. Yeah, I mean, he really, he just showed, he carried that team. I mean, that was a perfect example of just him putting the team on his back. Um, and he, and he, he had to, for all intents and purposes. So, biggest things that I found, and I am a gamer, he's just got feel and instincts galore. His ability to move in the pocket and to, and to sense pressure and not see it is massive. Uh, he beats pressure consistently with movement, um, throwing, and running. So he finds three different ways to beat pressure um, based on situation. Well, he's one of those guys that you talked about throwing the space. Absolutely. He does that so well. And he highlights a receiving core that it's okay, but it's not You're uh, talking about it's a, not a Clemson-level receiving core. No, you're talking about a couple, what, fifth, sixth-round picks, like day three dudes. And Yeah, like they're not bad, but they're not elite receivers. Yeah. Um, he's got a wicked fast release. Um, the comp is going to actually kind of reflect that. I'll get to that in a little bit. And then, very good. He's got an NFL arm. Um, I think people kind of look at him in the pocket, and he holds the ball up really high and stiff with two hands, and it looks awkward. But, first of all, there's no fumble issues because he's keeping both hands on the ball. And secondly, it doesn't matter. It comes out of his hand incredibly well. No, he has a really John Elway way of moving around in the pocket with the ball high, and he's very mobile. Yeah, he's, he's incredibly mobile. Um, one of the things... He moves very, or he throws very well off platform. Uh, it's one of those things. There's a, uh, there are two plays that really stood out for me that really kind of sold me on him as a football player. Actually, three. The longer I think about it, the more I'll have. But uh, first one was he's rolling out to his right against Clemson. I believe it was 2018, and he throws this seed, and he's about to get hit. He throws this seed down the sideline, like six inches into the sideline, and his receiver catches it. And he was going, I mean, it was a laser beam. And the dude's blanketed, but he makes the catch. It was just an example of he's putting it in the only spot his receiver can get it, and he's doing it on the move. He's one of those guys that you almost want his offensive line to lose because you want to see him on the move. Yeah, I mean, and and I'm not making a Patrick Mahomes comp, but there are plays where you see him and you go, you don't really have to hold your breath when the play breaks down. Because you know he's going to do something awesome. Yeah. And and one of those other things, you see a Mahomes-type gameplay style is he uses that full-body manipulation for defenders. It's not just his eyes. He will run. There's one he was playing against Clemson once again. Those were the two most indicative games of what he is as a player because he was outmatched. It's an example of he goes to a subpar team. You're, you know, you're bringing in a playoff team. You've got to go win the game for your team. And he, can, he showed that he can do that. Um, where he he leaves the pocket, uh, he runs up through it after go, getting through his first couple of reads, and he draws the linebacker in like he's going to run, and then throws it over the top of him across his body. And he's just manipulating these zone defenders, and at no point does the game look too fast for him. No, it never does. He always looks like he's under control of what's going on around him. And in those Clemson games, they were the far more talented team. But he exhibited the ability to, I mean, did he win one of those games? 
Um, no, unfortunately not. He came incredibly close in 2018. As a true sophomore, um, he led two two-minute drill drives all the way down the goal line, and his offense wasn't able to execute. Um, and it was you know, one of them fitting it, fitting the ball 20, 25 yards down the field into the smallest window he could have possibly found, and he made it happen. Um, and, and people, and this is where we get the negatives, very aggressive. He knows his receivers will win a jump ball, so he will throw the jump ball. And really that's where his interceptions come from, is he trusts the jump ball and his ability to throw it just a little bit too much. Yeah, and, and this is where I don't mind because it's not, I don't mind it as much as a panic 50-50. There are guys that are about to take a hit, they just throw it up. No, he's not one of those guys. No, he, he sees a matchup he likes and he goes for it. And the final negative is a lack of production. I think people look at a top NFL quarterback, right? And you sit there, you look at their college stats, and you're going to be throwing for, you know, 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns or something like that. And and you, that's what you expect to see, and you don't see that from Kellen Mond. Um, keep in mind, he went into a new offense in his second year as a starter. Uh, I mean, there were so many things about his that just the stats lie. It's my favorite term. A lot of times people are like, oh, stats don't lie. Stats, just look at the stats. The stats won't lie to you, but... A lot of times, the stats tell a different story than the film. Absolutely. And my comp for him is Jimmy Garoppolo, except not the Niners Jimmy Garoppolo almost, in that he's not handing the ball off, you know, 25, 30 times a game. No, more like the New England Jimmy Garoppolo. Absolutely. Um, I think that's what you're getting with him, and that's a good quarterback. Um, I think he's almost more talented. He's got more arm talent than Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy G doesn't get the chance to use his arm talent very much anymore in San Francisco, but he has a very strong arm. Absolutely. So, that was Kellen Mond. Um, moving on to our final our final two. Ignore our page turn there. It's not much room. All right. Um, so, number two is the golden boy, Trey Lance, as if Lawrence wasn't. Um, we got four games here. He earned a 94.2 grade, which is, just to check, actually worse than Kellen Mond, but I put him above Mond because I like what I see a little bit better. Um, and, and you'll see this. Trevor Lawrence actually graded out to be, I believe, the third uh, quarterback. But I just... I'm putting my own twi- I'm putting my own spin on the algorithm that I, that I used to grade these guys. So, Trey Lance, um, his, his biggest pro, everybody's seen the stat line. Zero interceptions. I mean... It's, it's one of those things that's kind of his hallmark. That's Whenever you talk about Trey Lance, somebody's going to say zero interceptions. Um, you know, he's got a Wilson-esque arm is the way I put it. He really does. He throws one of those deep balls. Just like he kind of rainbows it in the air. Yep. It's not a powerful arm, but he can make all the throws. And it's a pretty ball. Well, and he makes those decisions very fast, and he makes the correct one most of the time, which is why he threw zero interceptions. Yeah, that, and this is my next note, was I put confident and decisive. Um, it's one of those things, he does not, he, he does not second-guess himself, ever. He is the most confident processor in this entire class. And honestly, I think he has a more confident processor than Joe Burrow has. I mean, I don't know about that. That's a very high and praise there. But... Confident, not necessarily better, but confident. If he sees it, the the trigger's already been pulled. It's like he doesn't second guess it, and I love it because he's a smart guy. And a lot of the time, it's right. And one of these notes I have here it says turnover worthy throws do exist. You watched, I think it was the Southern Illinois or something like that game where he throws it at a linebacker. 
Yeah, he really should have had two or three interceptions this year, all three in that game. I mean, he really struggled in that game. It was strange because his receivers were winning, but I feel like he was wanting to um, almost taunt the defense a little bit that he could throw it over the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, part of it's just that you didn't see you didn't see him take the opportunity to throw the ball very often because, first of all, he was the most athletic person in the entire field, and it wasn't close. Well, he was probably the most athletic person at the level he played at. Absolutely. I mean, it's, he was a high-end athlete. He was an All-American in two sports, football and basketball, coming into college. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that you really see. He plays very physical, very aggressive, almost like a Sam Ellinger athletically. Well, and he's one of those guys that's really hard to grade because of the school he plays at. So he doesn't play against elite competition like Kellen Mond did. Absolutely. And even uh, even Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, like we'll see here in a minute, his team was dominant, but you didn't see him playing against NFL players. You know, uh, the Clemson-Ohio State game is about the close is about the closest you'll get. You know, to so, NFL to an NFL college. game other than the actual national championship. So. Um, one thing I put here, very few NFL plays. And this is one of those things I also mentioned with Trevor Lawrence. There just aren't a lot of tight windows, plays under pressure, deep down the field, that kind of stuff that you're going to see, you're going to be required to make at the next level. Well, his offensive line was so dominant that he really didn't have to be under pressure a lot. Yeah. Uh, so my comp for him here was Russell Wilson. Um, it was originally Kyler Murray. It's just one of those things he plays like a smaller quarterback. He plays like a smaller quarterback, and Kyler Murray will throw more rocket passes than he will. Yes. Yeah. He's Russell Wilson is not as much of a short game guy, and Lance is a guy that likes to put the ball down the field, like push it down the field, because their running game, uh, because their running game was so dominant in NDSU, and they tried to use the passing game for shots or well, screens. And it opened up their running game and his ability to scramble. Absolutely. So, um, getting to QB one here, and keep in mind this entire, like this entire, last tier or first tier, I suppose, is all incredibly close. I would be absolutely fine with any of these quarterbacks going first overall, just based on the fact that I think that they all have a very good shot at being very good starting quarterbacks. There's a lot of talent here, and it's just kind of like pick your flavor. It really is. I mean, the flavor we picked with Justin Fields out of Ohio State this year, who was just incredible this season. I think he only threw two interceptions to, like, 45 touchdowns. Yep. Yeah, he had he played five games, um, had a 95.7 grade for me, um, which is going to be that top five total grades. Um, you know, I watched five of his games, which is the most I watched of any of them. Um, we watched them together, actually. It was his first year as a starter. I didn't know that. That's incredible. What he did... Um, after, and I'll mention this later, um, after transferring from Georgia, after losing the starting job to Jake Fromm, um, was pretty incredible. Uh, so his first year as a starter, which is the first thing that comes up, um, he's got elite arm strength and accuracy, uh, which I really like. He takes care of the ball very well, as you mentioned. Um, one of those things, yet again, he has great feel. He looks cool, calm, and collected. Uh, you, you don't see him panicking very often. Because he all he has that confidence and that composure to keep everything just just to manage the game and not just to manage the game but to take over the game. You know, and I'm gonna bring it up again. The reason that he's so accurate is because high level footwork, high level footwork, far above what a first year starter usually is with Absolutely. his footwork. 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I put here was inconsistency, and that's mostly in his reads. Um, you see him making reads that are questionable at times, but that can kind of be written off as first year as a starter and first year in the offense. Well, and playing for Ohio State where you just have better athletes than everyone else. Absolutely, and you, you trust them. Um, so one of those things that was a negative. He holds on to the ball for too long at times because he thinks he can just out-athlete you until the guy gets open, which is not the ca- not always the case now and will definitely not be the case looking a year from now when he's going into his first season. No, you'd like him to have the brains to throw the ball away a little more often. Absolutely. I mean, he showed it at times, but it was just very inconsistent. Um, and then another thing, he's extremely physical um, in a way, and this is bringing us right into my comp, and I love this comp. Well, Carson Wentz. I should uh, clarify that Carson Wentz is my favorite NFL player. And so when I see a quarterback comp to Carson Wentz, I get really excited. Yeah, does he fit the billing for you? Oh, he does, no doubt. He plays physical, makes good decisions, throws a good deep ball. I hope he doesn't have the injuries that Carson Wentz has. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah. But he is a really fun player to watch, and I think he's going to be an incredible NFL quarterback. Absolutely. Now, I see a lot of Cam Newton comparisons here, and he looks like Cam Newton. I mean, it's, it's an obvious comp visually but for me his deep ball is better than cam but he's less efficient in the underneath game and then cam newton was a better athlete I oh mean, no doubt agree. cam newton at auburn was insane yeah absolutely so it's not it might look the same i mean anybody that's six foot three and you know has the stature that they do justin fields jamie newman they're gonna get that cam newton comp but they don't play like him. They are much more passers than Cam Newton was. Well, and they're not the kind of guy that's going to outrun a corner and track a linebacker, which is what no. Cam was doing in 2010 at Auburn. Absolutely. So that's going to be our top ten um, right there. It's say what you want. Everybody is entirely entitled to their own opinion, and I no, by no means think that this is gospel as to what's going to happen. This is just what's coming, what's happening going into the season. I personally can't wait to see one of these guys that didn't make the list jump up. Well, and hopefully we'll do this list again at the end of next season after these guys have progressed. Absolutely. And whatever that season ends up looking like, I mean, I'm personally very much in favor of an all-in-conference season because I think the level of competition is just going to be great. I mean, I don't want to see I don't want to see Alabama playing New Mexico State. <laughs> no, no one wants to watch that. So, Especially not New Mexico State fans. Uh, unless you're an Alabama fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so this is where I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of pull something else out here real quick that I did some, I did some homework on Trevor Lawrence again today. I pulled out a game from last year in the college football playoffs. It's Trevor Lawrence versus pressure. The Notre Dame game. He was pressured relentlessly. I mean, just free rushers constantly. And he was playing pretty good. He was playing against Troy Pride and Jordan Love, which were a high-end uh, college corner duo. Um, and, and here are the things that I found, because I really wanted to go back over his pocket presence and his awareness with pressure, which is going to be his biggest downfall for me. First things I noticed, mobility to escape pressure. He, uh, one of the first plays, linebacker comes in flying through the A-gap, and he does this little spin, and he rolls out to the left. And well, he escapes two guys chasing him down. Well, there's definitely no doubt that he is a capable athlete and able to escape. Absolutely. 
Uh, and one other thing I noticed that I did not see this year nearly as much was he was decisive in throwing the ball out of pressure, like throwing the ball to a to an open receiver to escape the sack, or not as much escape the sack, but make it not make the pressure not really matter. You know, completely invalidate the pressure. Here are the things that I really saw that were negatives, and this is the part that I picked up on earlier. He rolls out far too often. To the left, to the right, doesn't really matter. He will roll out. That is his first That is his first option. Rather than stepping up in the pocket because he knows he's so athletic, he'll outrun a defensive lineman. Yeah. And he's good on the move, so I don't blame him. But when you start going up against just, I mean, Jags on the brain, he won't be there next year. Yannick Ngakwe will chase him down in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of NFL edge rushers. Khalil Mack, Yannick Ngakwe. Even some of the bigger dudes that are less athletic. Heck, you may have an Akeem Hicks chasing you down. That is a terrifying visual. I don't want Akeem Hicks running to me full speed. I don't want Akeem Hicks coming near my quarterback. No, I want him far away from my quarterback. Uh, so, and then the, the other thing, and this is something I kind of mentioned with some other guys, there's a difference between seeing pressure and feeling pressure. Trevor Lawrence sees pressure. When he notices that a rusher's inbound, it's because he turns his head and he looks at his line. He's taken his eyes off of the field and off of, you know, the secondary and his receivers, and he's seeing these guys, and it really it hinders his ability to throw under pressure because then he's taking his focus off of his primary objective, which well, is ultimately throwing It hinders the your ability to make a play in general if you're not looking at the field. You can't make a read without seeing the read. You should be able to move away from pressure without looking at the pressure. Exactly. And and this is where I would, you know, if you want to go see for yourself, I think the poster child for um, for pocket presence is Tom Brady. You will never see him look at the pass rusher. No, not once. And he's not the kind of dude that's going to extend the play. He just feels it. He hears the footsteps. He knows how it works. Um, and instinctually, he has it. When he has the great skill... To be able to manipulate the pocket. Absolutely. And Trevor Lawrence, he really doesn't show that a lot. And now part of what made it so difficult is that they're having him take three-step drops out of shotgun, which is making some absolutely horrendous pass protection angles for your tackles. Man, that's just asking your tackles to be some insane athletes. I mean, it's really hard to beat someone to that edge. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to scout Jackson Carmen at some point um, when I get to my offensive lineman who is, I mean... an incredibly strong human being. Like, they've had a great offensive line the whole time. But even then, he's just it's asking a lot, especially, I mean, he's so tall. His steps are long. He's getting deep in the pocket. Uh, anyway, and, and then the final negative, and this is something that really came up. He does not ID pressure pre-snap. No. I don't, I mean, he was not, a- I think he was asked to do it because you see him doing it on occasion. But, like, he just doesn't see it. He doesn't feel it. Well, and you hope that when he gets to the NFL that his coaching staff will be smart enough to take that off of him for a year and put that, hopefully he'll have a good center and that the center can take that responsibility from him for a year. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, someone like the Eagles, I don't even think Carson Wentz does. They have Jason Kelsey who does all that. Yeah, even Peyton Manning had Jeff Saturday. I mean, a great center is something that's really underrated. Hopefully we'll do an episode on offensive linemen and we'll get to talk about some great centers. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, there's one, the, uh, oh man. Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks did a series on positional prototypes. I would love to do something on that. Just the guy, like what we look for in a prospect, because, man, we could have some fun with that. That would be really fun, and uh, that'll give you all something to look forward to uh, hearing from us again. All right. Um, 
next up. Um, I mean, just to kind of further further emphasize his struggles on that and kind of give examples for it. Uh, one of them was against the Ohio State uh, in the Ohio State game. He takes an open shot from Sean Wade on a slot blitz and ends up getting called for targeting, which was baloney. Um, but it's one of those where he's lined up. You've got a safety directly over the slot receiver in man coverage. You know, it's your job as the quarterback to know that you've got a free rusher and to know your protection that's being run. At the NFL level, I expect him, and I think he's smart enough to do that. I just worry if it's not as much of a head thing as it is a feel, like an instinctual. Yeah, and you really can't teach someone instincts and feel. Like, they either have it or they don't, and that's what I worry about Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, for sure. So, And just to be just to be clear, um, I know I just... I just desecrated the name of the Lord and Savior of college football, but I promise I have not wanted to like a football player as much as, you know, as much as Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, as a character, as a leader, I think he's just spectacular. Um, I I hope he proves me wrong, man, and I hope he proves me wrong this next college season. And that's one of these things that these guys can do, um, is is prove us wrong like during the season. I'd love to have. I mean, I'd love to have the best quarterback class in years. Oh, man, I would love to see Jarrett King win a Heisman. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see all these guys because everybody here has something that they're good at. If you're an NFL quarterback, you're a stud. It's just about finding the guys that that really have it put together. And that's where you'll see a guy who is, and this is part of my grading process, I value what's between the ears because everybody at the NFL level is an athlete. I want to see, at least at the quarterback position, how ready you are to play week four, like Baker Mayfield. Oh, it was week three with Baker Mayfield. Yep. What happens when that dude in front of you is just losing games and they need to pull in the draft pick? You know, your, your first rounder, right? You want to know that he can come in, you know, a la Baker Mayfield, and win you a game um, and not get, and not just get, you know, assaulted like an assault to the senses from, you know, all of a sudden they're not playing spot, you know, they're not playing spot drop zone. They're playing match cover three on you, and you've never seen that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how these guys play this season. You know, you can't – these are not going to stick. This list is going to shuffle a lot. And, you know, I, I'm fully prepared to be wrong. In fact, I'd love to be wrong about a lot of these guys. Um, as long as they're towards the bottom of the list, at least. I'd like to be pretty right about these guys at the top. Because um, um, you don't want anybody to suck. No, you don't want anyone to be bad. So, we are closing in on an hour incredibly quickly. Thank you all for listening. Um, I'm actually thinking our next episode might go ahead and be... Well, we could do kind of a twofer. Yeah, we'll see about that. Start kind of a positional prototype thing and some fun, some players to watch. That'll be fun. That'll be good, so... I think we might actually take a break here. I'll, I'll end up putting out the next episode probably next week or eh, maybe two, just because I want to space it out a little bit more. But um, yeah, this went this went incredibly well. It went really well. Yeah. Uh, let me know. Let me know what y'all think on just. You can DM me on Instagram. I just I'd love to get some feedback and improve. I really like this format over just the Instagram. That's Instagram's still gonna take uh, priority because that's most of what I do. Um, I mean, as with everything else, I'd love to get some, some feedback, some constructive criticism. Yeah, make, make sure to let me know um, how low I am on Sam Ellinger um, and, how, uh, and how high I am on Kellen Mond. And, uh, 
Yeah, I guess we'll head out. Yeah, we'll head out. We'll see y'all next time on the Amateur Draft Pod. Yeah, thanks for watching. All right.